Welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike. Joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you doing? Konnichiwa, Tomushimushi, Matashi no Tomodachi. How you doing, Mike? For those of you who don't speak Japanese, of course, that was greetings and salutations, my friends, in my incredibly broken Japanese, so please don't judge me harshly. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How the hell are you doing? <laughs> Uh, I'm doing okay, all things considered. We are currently in the process of looking for a new vehicle. That's always kind of annoying, but uh, once we're done with it, we'll be on the up and up. Back to car payment life, because we've gone a few years without having to worry about it on both vehicles. And uh, it's one of those things where, like, you always know in the back of your head, one day it's not going to be like that. But when the time comes, you're never quite, like, ready again, but... You know, that's life. Mm-hmm. All right. And then also joining us, it's Don and Nelly. What is up, Don? Hey, what's going on? Always happy to be here. Cool, cool. All right. Well, for this episode, again, uh, we were uh, out of theatrical release this week. So we picked uh, one on VOD. This one happens to be streaming on Netflix. So it should be widely available. Probably there's people that have already seen it. Um, But if not, that is called Remember, which is R-E front slash and the word member after it. Although on IMDb, the easiest way to find it might actually be to type in Remember member like as two separate words, because that's what gave me the match. Um, So that that might be like a working English title. I don't know, because on Netflix, it actually is the, the re front slash member. But anyways, yes, this is, I believe it's a South Korean movie, right? No, Japanese. Japanese. Straight Japanese. Is it? Yeah. Okay, well, then it is, like I said, it's a Japanese movie. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the synopsis is as follows. A high school student and her friends are trapped in a time loop by a ghost, and the only way to escape is to find the corpse of the ghost's previous victim. Time loop and horror. I mean, if that sounds like a familiar premise, it probably is. So maybe there'll be some comparisons made to another, I guess, couple movie and sequel. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that have released in the past few years. But uh, we can get into that if we 
if if that's where the conversation goes, that's fine. But first, let's get some general thoughts on Remember, and I'll start it with Venom. What did you think of this movie? This is an odd little film because it is Japanese horror, yes, but it, it's also a teen horror. Um, so our our core six characters are, of course, all high school students. So you're dealing with kind of younger topics as always. Um, overall, I had a decent time with this movie. Um, I did enjoy the gore. I got to say, I mean, ob- the obvious comparison, you know, people are going to say this is like Groundhog's Day or Happy uh, Happy Death Day, blah, 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 which, you know, they wouldn't be incorrect in saying that. But this movie does everything that I wish uh, Happy Death Day did. Now, mind you, I genuinely loved Happy Death Day, but I also didn't look at it as a horror movie. I looked at it more of like a comedy with horror you know elements to it and then the second one forget about it the second one's not horror at all but that's a discussion for another day but like i said with this one they actually ramp up the blood i i don't want to say gore because it's really just a lot of blood um there are some gory scenes you know some people losing body parts or getting cut in half completely that's kind of gnarly but you know we have a we have a pretty compelling antagonist um you know obviously it's a japanese movie so you know, after you read the synopsis, you can kind of see it's a vengeful spirit story. You know, nothing new that we haven't seen out of Japan before. But because they add the element of like the high school and these young kids kind of, you know, coming of age, it adds a little bit to it. My biggest issue with this film is going to be the tonal changes throughout. You'll be watching this movie and you'll be watching a hardcore, gnarly, you know, horror scene with blood and a monster and everything else. And then it'll cut to like a sugary friends getting to know each other montage. And it, it's 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 actually jarring. It's legitimately jarring. Um, there's actually two of those friends being friends montages in this movie. And there is a third montage in this movie, but I'm going to hold on to that for the spoiler section because I actually loved uh, the third montage. But uh, like I said, it's a different kind of montage. Um, overall, like I said, I thought the story was, you know, decent. It, it, it's not the most compelling story out there. Um, there is a very obvious supernatural element to the whole thing. Um the movie for 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 all the gamers out there, this movie feels like a fetch quest. You know those quests in video games where you have to find like five parts of a crest and then put them together to open a door. Um, this entire movie is basically a fetch quest, which I'm not complaining about, mind you. I, I've kind of said that about the Star Wars movie Solo that it's basically just a two-hour fetch quest, and you know sometimes I'm down for that. In this case, I totally am. I I had a pretty good time with this movie. Um, you know, we get a we get a pretty decent ending and then we get a, a an act, actually a fairly compelling post credit scene that has like multiple paths that it could go down. Um, it, what happens in the post credit scene is very obvious to the viewer. It's the implications of what we're seeing in that post credit scene that could, you know, greatly affect these kids future moving forward. Um, you know, potentially, who knows, maybe they're setting up a sequel. I don't know. But the point is um, a fairly compelling post credit scene that I actually really enjoyed much better than Scream 6, which was a fucking slap in the face to horror fans more than anything. But whatever. Overall, I'm, I'm not going to sing this movie's praises and say that it's, you know, must see TV or, you know, that essential viewing by any stretch. But for whatever it's worth. I didn't have a bad time with it. I liked all the characters. None of the characters frustrated me. You know, I didn't roll my eyes or cringe too much. It's a solid story with solid performances, a lot of blood. 
admittedly, the creature towards the end does look a little hokey. It, it almost starts to look kind of Sesame Street. I'm sure we'll all get into that during the spoiler section. So there are minor gripes to have about the film, but overall, I had a pretty good time with it. All right. Uh, kick it over to Don next. What are your general thoughts on Remember? Um, I, I don't have uh, much new to add. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of right there uh, alongside with Venom on this. Um, I, I enjoy it. Uh, I I definitely see the similarities between this and uh, Happy Death Day. Uh, I, I definitely enjoyed one more than two, although I actually do like two as well. It's got its own moments. But again, conversation for a different day. Um, the more uh, overtly horror uh, aspect of this one is uh, really uh, in- enjoyable and intriguing here with uh, the, the initial game that they play and all the backstory that goes into that. Uh, I really like the, uh, you know, the fetch quest that they, uh, you know, embark on to use uh, the term that uh, apparently I had known about until two minutes ago. So thanks for that. Um yeah, that that's all really fun. Uh, I do like the main group of uh, the friends that we get here. Uh, there are some really intriguing elements that uh, comes about that, you know, the more that they spend together, the more that it, it kind of plays into why they're chosen to undertake this quest and how everything plays out. Um, I, I really like, you know, the, the ghost itself and all of the, the fun action that you get, you know, it starts off really great and, you, you get a really fun uh, finale here, but uh, yeah, the, the tonal shift that we get in the middle is just really, really distracting and off-putting. And yeah, he, he kind of said it best where it's jarring that uh, you get like this big, you know, horror sequence and then, you know, you get this sappy teen romance stuff that comes along and, uh, you know, some of the montages, uh, you know, the way that they come about, you know, you get like very in you know just weird and offbeat kind of scenes that you really wouldn't expect in like a, a true genre film and it just it, it just feels distracting at points but yeah overall I, I can't say i hated it um it's not groundbreaking it's not unique it's not you know like amongst the, the best of the year but yeah, what I say, I enjoy it, and, uh, you know, if you're interested in this, would it be worth your time? Absolutely. Um, I, mean, I mean, we've covered far worse on the show. We'll probably cover far worse than this throughout the course of the year, and, yeah, it, it, it definitely has its moments. It's enjoyable, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed more than I disliked about it, so, uh, yeah, I had a pretty fun time with it. Cool. Uh, as far as I go pretty much in agreement with you guys it's it's an above average film i think it's it's not great probably won't be a top 10 it definitely you know because i use the device of a time loop obviously the familiarity is going to be there um with happy death day being in recent years and the second one um happy death day i was like okay on like it i didn't even think that was great but it was good it was it was fun um and this one yeah there's there's a lot of tropes here, but it doesn't really bother me so much. Um, I agree with Venom that there are certain like questionable tonal changes the movie does when they kind of go to f- the, the happy montages. It almost makes you think it's like further along in the movie because it's like, hey, this kind of stuff usually doesn't happen like smack dab in the middle or at at these stages in the movie when they're still like um, an hour or just under an hour to go. I think the la- the one 
that took place on the beach. I think I actually paused the movie because I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem like it would be happening unless we're pretty close to the end. And then I look and there's like 40 minutes left. I was like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. this is just another one of those uh, reprieves from all the terror going on. Let's let's have them have uh, let them have some happiness on the beach before the final showdown. Um, I do agree. Like the the thing that they're dealing with, I guess I'll keep it a little uh, uh, not secret, but anonymous for now. Um, by the end of it, you know what I was thinking? It looked like almost like if uh, the segment from Creep Show, the meteor shit guy, Jody Verrill, like actually ah! didn't kill himself and was rampaging through the school. Uh, no, it almost made me think of that. Um, I did, I did like the scene with the showdown though, like with all of them trying to fight it. It, it was pretty cool. And I did like um, some of the sequences because we're dealing with a time loop. I did like the sequences where like uh, they would all get kind of taken out and you'd see the different ways they were taken out and then everything like loop back. Uh, I thought the story itself, you know, it was good. It it wasn't like overly um, involved. There wasn't tons of layers to it. You know, I, I, this definitely isn't like a primo piece of Asian cinema where you're just kind of blown away. It, it feels like very familiar type stuff, but still done pretty well. It, it was still an entertaining time. And uh, sometimes that's what you're looking for when you throw on VOD. So, yeah, I would say pretty good, pretty good film here. Definitely worth your time. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of I didn't do a whole lot of research on the movie going into it. But then after I watched it, I, I found out that this is actually based on a manga. Uh, an online manga, actually, not one that you can buy in print, or maybe you can by now, but um, originally it was just an online manga. Um, and I just, I read part of it, and it's actually pretty compelling. I, obviously, the manga is going to be more fleshed out, more details, blah, blah, blah. I didn't read the whole thing, like I said, just the first few pages, but I thought it was pretty cool. So, you know, if anybody's familiar with the manga, I would love to know if this movie, you know, compares in any way, shape, or form. Um, I had never even heard of... Uh, you know, remember re slash member before. So I'm not sure how popular of a manga that is, but uh, again, if anyone is familiar, please hit us up on the socials. Um, but yeah, I mean, I gotta say that, that, that ending creature form though, man, the, I, I I know we'll get into it in more detail at the, uh, during our walkthrough, but goddamn, I, I couldn't help but just laugh at multiple times during that final chase bloody as it looked as bloody as the scene is too i mean there's some great kills some great impalements things like that impaled on spikes impaled with uh, the monster's arm i mean just like i said it's a bloody ass movie um but that that creature definitely leaves something to be desired which sucks because for the first half of the movie the the first form of we'll call it the emily ghost for now is fucking awesome just this you know little girl walking around with her uh with her stuffed animal covered in blood like that that's all you need you know that's why i always liked asian ghost stories because you just throw a little girl in a white dress with long black hair boom you got a ghost and i love that i've always been there for that um you know but this one they kind of ramp it up a little bit she's got a stuffed animal she's covered in blood um because of the opening you know the cold open of the film which we'll go we'll get into in a little bit but yeah, yeah. The, the more I think about the movie, the more I actually do think I enjoyed it more than maybe I'm saying. Um, like I said, the tonal shifts did bother me. 
Um, the high school stuff, uh, you know, I can live without, obviously. I'm a 50-plus-year-old I'm a man, folks. Watching a bunch of high school kids do high school kids shit isn't exactly entertaining to me. But at the same time, when you know, like, the beach montage, when you know that's going to be sandwiched between two gnarly, you know, horror set pieces, eh, you're a little bit more forgiving of it. Ultimately, it's not a very long movie, an hour and 40 minutes, you know, just over 100 minutes, no big deal. Um, pacing is good. What's funny is that I talked, um, on the main show, which hasn't been released yet, episode 51, uh, I actually talk about the Outwaters and how that movie has literally 35 minutes of character development at the beginning, and I still didn't give a rat's ass about any character in the movie. This movie literally handles its character development in like a few minutes, basically just one morning at school, we were introduced to all the characters, their quirks, their personality tra traits. And I liked all of them, ultimately. You know, you've got your nerd, you've got your loner girl, you've got a loner guy, you've got the popular guy, you got the pop, and then two popular girls. So it it's definitely an eclectic little group that they put together. Um, but overall, yeah, like I said, I did like this story. The gore is good. You know, I'll be a little forgiving on the creature at the end because at least it was practical. Like if that thing would have been CG, I'll oh, forget about it. I'd be tearing this movie apart. But at least it was practical. So, I'll, you know, I'll give them credit for that. <laughs> it looked. Uh, what did I read? Um, <laughs> the, um, only Kaiju fans are going to understand this reference. So, Don, this one's for you. Uh, I read somewhere that somebody said that the creature looked like Gabara from All Monsters Attack had a baby with one of the gargantuans from War of the Gargantuans. Eh, I don't know. It's pretty accurate <laughs> the way I look at well, it. I'm, look, I'm looking at a picture of Gabbro right now, so it's like, yeah, I guess I can kind of see it. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, yeah. The long yeah. neck, I mean, you know, the long neck and head. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah I, never, <laughs> I never thought about that, but yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> um, almost like a, like a Muppet. Like, like there, there are certain scenes where the thing moves in ways that don't look realistic and it, it starts to look kind of like a, a big bird type Muppet, like a seven foot tall Muppet. But, you know, again, because the movie is a, a nice high quality, I'll go ahead and give it its props. Ultimately, the filmmaking aspects of it are all fine. Nothing is really exceptional. The score is pretty good. The cinematography, the editing... Uh, I've already said the performance, the direction is pretty good. Like th th this movie doesn't really quote unquote fail on any particular aspect. It just does some things better than the others. And unfortunately, the things that it maybe doesn't do so great are going to be glaring by the time you get to the end of the movie. So hopefully it doesn't affect your enjoyment of it. Um, you know, I, I kind of looked at this as kind of, even though it's more of a serious, you know, Japanese ghost story, I kind of looked at it more kind of like a hokey creature feature type thing. And I think I ended up enjoying it more because of that, especially because of the third act and, you know, the final form, if you will, of the Emily ghost. But, uh, yeah. What else you guys got before we get into our walkthrough? I did like the practical effects. I agree at the end, because I was a little worried because... There was definitely like some CGI earlier with with different forms of the yeah. thing they were facing off with, but it did seem once we kind of got the final, I was gonna say the final uh, Pokemon level, but <laughs> the, oh, final uh, form. the final I, formation, I yeah, <laughs> yeah, the final form was cool that it was practical, and I liked how they went about it, and I just thought it was a cool scene, like them actually coming up with some sort of strategy yeah. to take it on and 
it was cool, like what they figured out for that scene. Yeah, I really liked how even though this movie had a time loop, um, you know, situation, the characters in the movie didn't take forever to figure out what was going on. Like if you go back and watch Happy Death Day, it takes Tree like a week to figure out that, oh, I'm living the same morning or maybe not a week. It takes like two or three, maybe four days before she finally accepts that, oh, I'm living the same day over again. Whereas all these kids accept it on the very first day. On the very first day, they're all like, did, did we live this day already? Did we, did we all die yesterday? And, it's, and, and the funny thing is that they remember, too. They actually, all, all six of them, actually will remember everything that they did. So, and obviously that's going to help for the, the whole mystery or the, the body uh, search that they're performing here. Um, so, yeah, like I said, for the most part, the movie works for me. I enjoyed it. I may watch it again someday, but just like Don said, it's not likely going to be a top 10 by the end of the year, but still a fun movie. And I mean, you guys, you guys know me. I love my foreign horror. So even though this one's a little bit more teen oriented, it's still bloodier than any American teen oriented horror movie. So I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. There's enough there. Cause I think before when it first hit Netflix, I had seen it in the lineup and it, like the first line of the synopsis was like a group of teenagers or high schoolers. And that's what kept me kind of scrolling by or looking for other stuff. But yeah. actually watching it, I was like, okay, it, it's not bad. I mean, and it's proof that you can always have like prejudgments of a movie based on certain things that don't end up being true. So I think in this case, like it was, it actually ended up better than I was expecting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the movie opens up with a great cold open and it ends with a great set piece. And like I said, that pretty compelling post credit scene that we're going to have to figure out, interpret here. Um, but yeah, overall, great time. Maybe not a high recommend, but I would say this is definitely a recommend. If you're okay with subtitles, um, and even if you're not, Netflix has it in English. I actually, I accidentally hit play and it was set to English and I, I freaked out as soon as people started talking. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then I realized, and that also bothers me that Netflix defaults to English. I know, I know we're in this region, but you know, default to the, uh, to its native language. That always makes sense to me. I think more people are going to want to, well, maybe not more. I'm talking out of my ass now at this point, but anyway, even if the subtitles are an issue for you, it is available in English um, on Netflix. So, at least you've got your either-or choice. All right. Anything else you guys want to say before we uh, get into it? Not going to be much of a walkthrough. It's a fairly basic story. Uh, I think I'm good. Yeah, same here. All right. So our movie opens up um, with a scene of a little girl running away from a man with an axe. Obviously, it's a cold open. There's no context whatsoever. You know, We don't know if they're related, blah, blah, blah. But all we see is this guy chasing this little girl with uh, an axe. Finally, he catches up to her, pulls her out of her her hiding spot, and then unceremoniously dismembers her with the axe. Unfortunately, we don't really see anything. We find out later that he dismembered the body. But uh, it is pretty bloody. I mean, we do do get a pretty cool blood splat, um, which I'm not 100% convinced. Uh, Go ahead. I was going to say, and it's a good sign that the very opening scene of the movie, they're willing to kill a kid. So I was like, okay. Oh, that's always, oh man, that's always points. I mean, you know, recently on the main show when I talked to Derek, when Derek was talking about the barn too, and yeah, that was about the only thing I remembered from the barn was 
the 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 uh, hoedown massacre and the kid getting that killed wrecked at the beginning of that movie. Which, yeah, I'm right there. If you're willing to kill a kid in a horror movie, I already like you. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, like I said, our little girl unfortunately gets killed by this guy. And then uh, we get our title card, and uh, we find out that some time has passed, and we meet Asuka. Asuka is going to be our main protagonist of the film. She is a you know cute little Asian girl. Unfortunately, you know not the most confident thing in the world. A little bit of a nerd, a little bit of an outcast. Um, you know she's def- very definitely not one of the cool kids. Uh, but we are introduced to some of the cool kids. I mean, we're introduced to Takahiro, who's the cool guy in the group. Uh, we're introduced to um, uh, Rui or Rai, Rai or Ray. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but R I E. So let's just go with Rai for now. She's like the popular girl in the school, pretty, you know, everybody likes her, blah, blah, blah. We get Shoto. Shoto is the nerd, the, the male nerd, obviously, very much a nerd, a loner by himself. And then uh, Atu, uh, Atsushi. Atsushi is the last of the group, and he is basically. He's not a nerd, but he's definitely a loner. Like he's actually a you know a fairly handsome boy, um, but he's just kind of lives on his on his own. You know, he doesn't really associate with other people in his school. He sits in the corner, blah blah blah. So, you know, you've got you've got a little bit of a mix of popular people and you know maybe not so popular people in this group. So you know, that instantly that makes it kind of likable. Um, oh, I forgot to mention during that a cold open. There's a great image. Of, and I know it obviously it has great bearing on the movie later on, but there's this, the great image of the blood splashing onto the stuffed animal that the little girl is carrying. That image is great. I mean, and the camera holds on it because the, the killer is chopping at her multiple times. So you're getting constant blood spray. I just forgot to point that out because I did love that image. All right. So it's basically the morning of school. Asuka wakes up. You know, her mother made her a lunch. She made some extra pumpkin croquettes and tells her to go ahead and share them with her friends. Unfortunately, she doesn't have any friends. Uh, Obviously, mom is not the wiser to that. So giving her extra food in the hopes that she makes some friends. And along the way, on the way to school, you know, we start seeing little things that happen. A cat gets hit by a bus. um, A pot falls off a shelf, you know, like a pottery pot. um, Little things like that. And, you know, our friends kind of interact for that first day of school. You know, Asuka stays by herself. Shota gets, you know, teased by all the cool kids. Um, Takahiro, for actually being one of the cool, popular guys, is, is a nice guy, too. He's, he's not a bully. You know, we never see him bullying or making fun of any of the kids, um, which maybe that's part of why he's maybe considered an outcast, because he's popular, but he's cool with people, with everybody. So... And then our final, uh, the last girl of the group, uh, Rumiku, Rumiku um, you know, she's she's weird because she actually has an older boyfriend that's out of high school. So she, she's kind of an interesting character, but she doesn't brag about it necessarily. It's almost like she's keeping it a secret. All right. So that uh, at the end of that day of school, um, Asuka is outside eating her lunch. She's trying to find different places where she could eat, but other people are constantly interrupting her. She's looking for a peaceful, quiet spot. Finally, she finds a spot right in front of a well, and we get the first, like, cool, gnarly I- image. Well, actually, no, the cold open. But, yeah, we get a great image of hands, bloody hands coming out 
of the well. And I mean a lot of them. I'm talking like a few dozen hands all reaching out of this well. Um, you know, bloody everything else. Asuka screams, close her eyes when she wait, when she opens her eyes again. You know, obviously everything is gone. Uh, she's braver than I am because at that point she actually walks over to the well and looks into it. But me personally, nah, I'm out. I'm never going near that well again. But, you know, that's just me. Um, so then that night, our six friends, well, I shouldn't say friends yet, but our group of six end up at school um, late for various reasons. And they end up hearing about a crime that occurred at the school. And uh, there's something called the body, what is it, body search. Is it the body search? Uh, yes, the body search. And in the movie, they go over some of the rules of the body search. But the, 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 the anime, the manga actually goes through all nine of them. And I'm going to go through them now, even though they're not all they don't all pertain to the movie because some of them are ignored completely. Um, the fact that the movie didn't get into them as much, I think will give some people some insight. So rule number one, the red person will appear in the school after class. Uh, the red person, for those who don't know, is basically the ghost of this little girl. As I said, we described her earlier, covered in blood, carrying her stuffed animal with her. Um, rule number two, the red person will appear in front of a student if they are alone. So basically the first person that sees the red person every day is, is alone. And someone who's alone, more than likely they're going to die for it. Uh, rule number three, anyone who sees the red person must not turn around until they exit the school. This is definitely one that's not brought up in the movie. So apparently in the manga, if you see the red person, but rather than turn around and run, you just kind of slowly backtrack while, you know, keeping eye contact with the red person, you can actually leave the school altogether and the red person will leave you alone. Obviously, that's one that's not talked about in the movie. Um so rule number four, which is actually a continuation of rule number three, if they do turn around, they will be cut into eight pieces and hidden in the school building. Um, the reason I, I think that rule is because of the original crime that we see in the cold open. Um, I, it seems like the killer either lived near the school or worked at the school uh, because he ended up hiding seven of the eight body parts somewhere in the school. Some of them were in ridiculous places. Like one was in a fish tank, like just an open fish tank that anybody can look at, but there's an arm floating in it. Um, part of the torso was found in one of those like science lab um, skeletons that's hanging in every science lab in the country. Literally somebody pulled out a piece of the torso from, well, from the torso of the skeleton. So, and like I said, um, or should I say, let's get into now the time loop. Um, oh, no, no, the rules. Uh, I got to finish the rules. Okay, we're up to number five. The student killed by the red person appears in front of everyone the next day and asks to look for their body. This is one that we actually only got like a little glimpse of. Early in the film, we see Asuka walking around the school. And at one point, we see the ghost of a little girl standing behind her saying, find my body. But that's kind of the only you know, illusion uh, that we get to this. Uh, so they don't bring that one up too much. Number six, uh, no one can refuse to search the body. Once you're part of this group, once it's figured out that you're part of this group, you must search for the body. Rule number seven, the red person also appears during the search. So you're not safe while you're searching for these body parts. Just because you're actively trying to help uh, the red person, the red person still wants to take all of you out for whatever reason. 
Uh, let's see. Rule number eight, the search doesn't end until all parts of the body are found. Very important. Eight pieces of the body, all of them must be found and brought back together um, somehow, either. Uh, in this case, in, in our film, uh, there's an empty coffin that literally has the indentation of a little girl's body in it. And basically, as our group finds pieces, they take it to the coffin and put it almost you know, in like the puzzle piece <laughs> spot that it goes. And then the final rule of the body search uh, from the manga is even if you lose your life during the body search, you don't die. And that's the rule that obviously we're all the most fixated on when it comes to this movie. Because basically the first night that they're in the school, um, all of our, our, our six kids, I think at one point they call themselves the chosen ones, but uh, basically they all start getting picked off one by one by this little girl. No one understands why. Um, they're not 100% sure what's going on. But after they all are dispatched that first night, all of them wake up the next morning. They go through the exact same routine. We've seen it before in Groundhog Day and Happy Death Day. They wake up with the exact same you know, tone or, or song uh, waking them up. Once again, mom made uh, pumpkin croquettes and she made too many. So she gives them to Asuka. So Asuka obviously is instantly like something's wrong. Again, she's walking to school. She sees the cat on the fence. The cat jumps off the fence and promptly gets hit by the bus. So all of them together are kind of collectively putting it together what's going on. And what's funny is by the end of the second night or the first time that they flipped, that they looped, they're, they're all very much in agreement that, okay, we're in a time loop. This has something to do with the red person. Um, I, I guess we need to find their body parts. And that's when they decide, okay, we're going to need to find, even though, according to the news report, the original news report from the murder, the cold open murder, the head was never found. They found the other seven pieces, but the head was never found. So obviously the head will end up being the final piece of this, of this uh what um puzzle from pieces if you will very reminiscent of pieces um so uh let's see like i said they accept it pretty well uh, right around this part is where i realized that this is just a video game fetch mission which you know a fetch quest which is no big deal like i said i'm, I'm on board for those usually i'm a grinder when it comes to video games so i don't mind fetch quests and this one is pretty compelling. You know, like I said, you got to get eight parts of a little girl's dead body back together so that the spirit, her spirit stops haunting you. That's pretty gnarly. Um, and then we start seeing montages of the kids having fun. Uh, the first one is at the beach. Um, the montage kind of opens up with uh, the pretty girl, the, the, the pretty um, popular girl, uh, Rye. She basically is sitting at a picnic table and she has like a hot fudge sundae in front of her, uh, a bowl of fruit, um, some, a piece of cake, basically all of his food in front of her. And she goes, hey, if we're in a loop, calories don't count. And I'm thinking, motherfucker, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's something that none of us would have ever or at least a lot of us would have never thought about. But, yeah, this girl's like, fuck it, I'm going to eat. Um, and then that kind of starts out the montage of the friends, you know, just having a good time at the beach. You know, you get the happy, you know, sugary music playing in the background. Like I said, after seeing this after the first night of all six of them just getting decimated by this ghost, it's definitely a little jarring. I don't think it's going to be something that everybody hates. Maybe this is more common in Asian cinema than American. But, yeah, that tonal change definitely hits you. Um, let's see. Uh, 
So, yeah. And then after that first friend montage, we go to the second night. And on the second night, like I said, our, our six friends, they understand what's going on. They know what they have to do. And they understand that, you know, if I if we die, we die. We wake up the next morning. It's not a big deal. So you start to see the kids taking more chances, doing things, you know, just like we see Tree doing Happy Death Day, um, basically just starting to do things to tempt fate, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but what we get after that is a montage of them basically dying over and over again while they're finding all these different body parts. So like I said, they find the first piece in an aquarium they find another piece in a skeleton. Um, they find a foot like in the back of a locker. I, it's, it's really crazy where they're finding these these goddamn body parts. But yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, but that montage is awesome because in that montage, you see kids getting cut in half. Yeah, you see them getting impaled on like a uh, rebar. I mean, just some awesome gnarly deaths, decapitations, just some, some good, good stuff. Um, Let's see. Um, oh, and then at this point in the movie, one of the characters actually drinks a bottle of Ramune, which for those who don't know, is my favorite drink of the world in the world. I'm actually drinking one. You can hear the glass marble in the bottle. I'm drinking one right now. I fucking love Ramune. I got a pack of Haichus sitting here, too. Oh, yeah, folks, I'm all in for Japan. I assure you. Uh, so let's see. So after this. Um, we get another montage of the kids kind of having fun. It, it's look, it's starting to look like a CW kind of coming of age teen drama, you know, like I mean, not that I ever watch any of them, but, you know, something I guess like a 90210, Melrose Place, Party of Five. Like I said, I've never watched any of those shows. So if I'm wrong, I apologize. But, you know, that that's kind of like what they start to feel like, those CW um, coming of age type things. Um, let's see. Uh, we continue getting great kills throughout. Uh, the kids keep finding body parts. And then finally, they found the seven pieces and they're down to the head. And no one knows where the head is. So our friends all decide, let's go to the murder scene. Let's go to the house where this little girl originally died. And let's see if maybe we can find the head there. So they go in. Uh, they end up finding this little secret cubby hole that's been boarded up um, with random scraps of wood. They pull all the pieces of wood out, and what they find isn't her head, but what they find is the stuffed animal, uh, the original stuffed animal still covered in blood from that original crime scene. Um, basically, a door slams in the background. All six of the kids turn their head to see what it was. They don't see anything. And when they turn back, the doll is gone, completely gone. And Shoda, our nerd of the group, just instantly freaks out and just starts yelling like a girl and running out of the building. So they end up getting there and realizing, well, uh, we, we didn't find the head there. We're going to have to go back to the school. And they're, they're looking in different places in the chapel and the gymnasium, not having any luck figuring it out. But then that night for the first time, uh, the ghost that's chasing them looks different. It is no longer a little girl uh, carrying a stuffed animal. Um, what we see in a silhouette, you know, behind, um, behind a backdrop, we see the, the ghost of the little girl, and then we see the stuffed animal, and they kind of merge into one creature, and then they get bigger. They get tall, like literally like maybe seven, eight, nine feet tall, this thing is. And then when it comes out of the woodwork and shows itself for the first time, 
it's a pretty fucked up looking creature. Like the close up of close ups of its face look great. The eyes are big and red and bulging. Um, it's got like a predator mouth, you know, one of those segmented mouths so that it could like eat an entire human being, um, you know, without having to chew or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So close up the design on this thing is pretty cool. Unfortunately, it's the extended shots, the far shots where they show the creature from a distance. And it's very obvious that it's a human actor inside of a suit. And you can tell that the head part, because that neck is so tall, the head kind of bobbles on its own. It's not literally a bobblehead, but I I hope I'm explaining it well. It just it seems like it's bobbling a little bit, and it's got long hair, so the hair is kind of bobble bobbling back and forth as well. It just like I said, luckily they don't use that shot too often. That long shot that shows its entire body. At one point, they are able to pin it against a pillar, and then it looks good because only its top half needs to worry about moving. But still, the head does wobble periodically, but, you know, that's going to happen. Eventually, they figure out. I I don't really even remember how. Unfortunately, I only had time to watch this movie once. But eventually, they figure out that the head is probably inside of the stuffed animal, the little girl's head, the little girl from the cold open who was murdered. They think that maybe it was inside of that doll, and that's why now the red person is no longer the red person. Now they are the Emily monster. Uh, I keep saying Emily, and I haven't actually said any context to that yet. Emily is not the name of the little girl. It's the name of the stuffed animal. Um, We don't get the name of the little girl until the very end of the movie, so I didn't really make note of it. But yeah, it's, it's the stuffed animal that's Emily. So that's why I call the final form of this thing the Emily monster, because like I said, the little girl and the stuffed animal kind of merge. Eventually, they're able to get the monster pinned with chains against a pillar. They actually use two big ass industrial drills to kind of drill like a a working table against it so that it's kind of pinned up against the wall. And then at that moment, uh, two of the boys grab some length of chain and start chaining it around the, uh, the pillar. Of course, it's not going to last long. Uh, it, you know, uh, it starts picking off the kids one by one. It throws um, uh, Atsushi uh, up against the wall. And once again, he's impaled on a rebar. Um, it throws uh, Atsushi uh, off to the side. Um, I forgot to mention one key thing earlier that I'm going to go back to now. I apologize for that, folks. Um, during the la- during the, the previous evening, one of the characters, Rai, actually got eaten by the monster. Now, uh, throughout the film, we, we see the monster killing these kids, but not actually consuming them. And what ends up happening is the morning after that monster ate Rai, Rai was gone. Like, and I don't mean gone like missing. I mean like she never existed. None of the kids know who. The, and and don't forget, Rai is the popular girl. She was like queen bitch in this school, the most popular, the prettiest, blah blah blah. So for suddenly everyone to not know who this woman is, um, you know, basically start making fun of our core five that are left. Um, it, it makes them realize that oh shit, if the monster eats you, you disappear forever. It can kill you over and over and over again, no problem. But if it consumes you, you're gone. So so like I said, during this final finale, um, the kids are trying really hard not to get eaten. Unfortunately, a couple of them do end up getting eaten. But then at one point, the monster is about to 
kind of break its chains off of the pillar. And what we see is um, Takahiro grab a chainsaw and do, you know, the, the slow motion action hero thing where he, you know, he takes a running leap towards the creature. And rather than cutting its head off with the chainsaw, it cuts it lengthwise. So it almost like it splits it open. And then you see the monster stop moving. You see the head lean forward. And when the head leans forward, we see a smaller head fall out of the monster's head. And there, and there's the little girl's head completely un... Whereas all the other seven parts, body parts are deteriorated. They're rotting. You know, they look like they come from a dead person. The head looks fresh. Literally, the head looks like the little like what the little girl looked like at her moment of death. Like, the, you know, uh, the blood still looks fresh. The, the, there's no rotting, blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of an off-putting image. After that, um, Takahiro throws the head to Asuka. They're the last two left at this point, by the way. And uh, he tells Asuka, take, you know, take it to the coffin, finish this once and for all. Um, She gets distracted because at this point she's developing feelings for Takahiro, Um, you know, and and he actually reciprocates those feelings in one scene right before this finale. And um, so when he gets attacked, you know, she's holding the head, Asuka's holding the head, ready to run to the coffin. But then suddenly the monster reappears and Takahiro is trapped underneath some debris that fell on him. I'm yelling at the girl. I'm in my living room yelling at Asuka. Just put the fucking head back. Don't worry about him. Put the head back. But, you know, uh, she's not uh, She's not as, uh, what do you call it? I, obviously, there's a thousand thoughts, you know, running through her head at that moment. So it's, it's, she's not going to have the clearest mind to just go ahead and put the head back. Um, she ends up uh, dropping the head after a little bit of uh, back and forth with the monster and then finally, um, she 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 basically finds her brave her uh, her just um, her courage. She finds her courage, and almost like Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street, suddenly she's no longer scared of the spirit, and she actually says out loud, "I'm not going to let you take my friends, and I'm not going to let you kill me today," and just you know grabs a piece of pipe and just starts beating the shit out of this thing, hitting it over and over and over again. And then finally, she puts the head in the coffin, completes the body, closes the coffin, and she falls asleep next to the monster's body. The monster is basically lying there on the ground, right at the foot of the altar where the coffin is. She is on top of the coffin, basically praying that this is all over, and she falls asleep. And then what we see is we see the sunrise, and she's still there at the chapel covered in blood, so we know that this is that the time loop has finally been finished. Um, Unfortunately, though, because of uh, one of the other rules of the game, once uh, the body is completely found, all six of, maybe not all six, but most of the group forget everything that happened. They forget that they spent any time together, which kind of sucks because these six friends who all come, or these six kids who all come from different personality types and backgrounds end up becoming like a team it's almost like the goonies like they're they become friendly they're you know they're they're working together trying to get this um you know monster dispatched but then you know uh, asuka also is aware that everyone's going to lose their memory at one point takahiro gives her his uh high school pin like a lapel uh not lapel what's that tie clip haha tie clip um from the school that he's supposed to be going to for basketball the uh, the following year. 
basically telling her, take this, I will find you. You know, when this is all said and done, I will find you, I promise, blah, blah, blah. So, like I said, the next morning, um, the six kids end up getting, by some freak of nature coincidence, they all get elected to be on a festival committee, the, you know, the festival parties, whatever it is that they have there at the school. All these six kids are voted to be the committee for the, the festivities. So um, they're all together. They're about to go walk towards their first meeting. And Asuka for some reason, Asuka is the only one who remembers anything that happened, probably because she's the one who put the head back on the uh, coffin, whereas all the rest of the kids, you know, they were pretty much dispatched by now. So she remembers, uh, she ends up pulling a piece of paper out of her pocket and the pin falls out or the, the tie clip falls out that Takahiro gave her. Takahiro sees the tie clip on the ground, picks it up and realizes, wait a minute, I think this is mine. And then you see, you, you kind of see his expression change, and he goes up to Asuka and says, see, I told you I'd find you. It's almost like all the memories came rushing back when he looked at this tie clip, and suddenly he remembered everything, and he remembered that he was developing feelings for Asuka, so they have a nice kiss. And that, for the most part, is the end of our film. We get our closing credits sequence and then after the closing credits what we see is the camera kind of going around the school the empty school um and then finally it gets back to the well you remember the well from earlier in the film where all the little kids bloody hands came out of it this time instead of anything coming out of it the camera actually goes down into the well and what it finds is an old file, an old, um, uh, almost like newspaper clippings from the original murder, the murder of the little girl in the cold open. And what we see is the headline of the paper is, you know, little girl is brutally attacked in, or brutally murdered in vacation home. But then we kind of see the text on the newspaper change, and then it changes to little girl brutally murdered at an amusement park. And it's like, well, wait a minute, what the fuck's that all about? Then the camera pans over to another clip showing the original little girl that was killed with her name. Uh, and like I said, this is the only time in the movie we actually get this girl's name and I completely missed it. But we see the little girl in the newspaper clipping. And then again, we see the text start to morph and it changes to fucking Asuka. So the, the newspaper article is basically saying that Asuka was the little girl that was murdered, you know, however many years ago. And like I said, it changed the setting, it changed the victim. And then the movie just kind of goes black and ends from there. So, man, that, that, uh, I, I got to ask, I mean, what's your interpretation of that? Um, cause I understand the rest of the movie, you know, I, I understand the curse. I understand how Takahiro was able to get his memories back, blah, blah, blah. But can anybody interpret that uh, post credit scene? Uh, the closest I thing that the closest one that I came up with, and I, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but if you, if you break the curse, you become the next victim. Like you, the, the legend centers around you being the next one to have that be the, the, the curse going forward. Is that, you know, I I mean, yeah, it's not necessarily the best thing I could. uh, Yeah, I agree with Dawn as far as the best thing I could come up with, because it kind of suggests that, like, once you break the curse, you almost take it on yourself in a way. So does that mean that teenage Asuka just kind of disappears? 
because now she's dead. No, no, Asuka will become the next will become the next victim. Is that going forward? She's going to be the one that the next scrap of people. It's going to be her. That's the, she's oh, her become, murder. Yeah, gotcha, she's gonna, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's it's just be, that the newspaper clipping said, you know, eight year old dies. Eight year old Asuka dies or, or is murdered. I, I'm just thoroughly confused about that because like i said does that mean that teenage asuka is no longer alive because she was murdered however many years ago 10 years ago or whatever what's it, what's i don't what know saying. it just leaves me scratching my head well, that's what i'm saying mm-hmm. like that's the best i come up with is that if you mm-hmm. if you break the curse you're the next one in the in the lineage going forward is that when the next time that this happens asuka is going to be the red person but oh, yeah that's I, I terrible I, I don't know if that makes any sense or not. No, no. I mean, uh, honestly, I don't think any interpretation of that is going to make a hundred percent sense because I, I tried to think of multiple ones, but there was always holes involved. Like, you know, why is 18 year old Asuka still here? Or, you know, is, is she going to get murdered so that the newspaper clipping matches? I, it just, I don't know. Um, well, it's definitely up for interpretation. Um, <laughs> I'll say this. The first one that I had, the, the the first idea that I came up with was that Asuka is the 18-year-old version of the little girl, and she's helping the others solve her murder. That that was the first idea that I came up with, but I, I didn't think that one really had much merit. So I, I kind of I, I went back and I rewatched it again, and I, I kind of I, I felt that it was a little bit more likely that she would be the one to take on the curse, not be the one that, you know, it's not her solving the murder, but it's, she solved the murder. So she's going to be the one to be the center of the curse. The next time it's invoked. I'll go with that. That That's, that's yeah, I can accept yeah, that. That's the best I could come up with is very similar to that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, pretty fun movie with a, like I said, a pretty compelling post credit scene. It just, it makes you think definitely. Um, you know, regardless yeah. of what interpretation you come up with, uh, I think it's a pretty good post credit scene and a pretty good movie overall. Like I said, the biggest thing is going to be those tonal changes throughout and then just the look of the Emily monster at the end. Some people are just going to laugh. You know, some people might accept it. Um, I would imagine in Asian culture, it's probably a little bit more acceptable, you know, being slightly goofy looking since it's the land of Kaiju. Um, but yeah, what are you going to do? Overall, I still recommend it. I still say it's worth a watch. You know, it's not exactly short, an hour and 42 minutes, but, you know, it, it, at least it's not a two-hour slasher by any stretch. <laughs> or a two-hour found footage movie. <clears throat> I'm looking at you. Yeah. It, yeah, and other than, like, the the montage breaks where we get our tonal changes, I, I do think it's paced pretty uh, good. Oh, the pacing I love. Like, even with those weird montages i you know because the montages don't last long it's not like they're eight minutes long or anything they're like a minute or two it's not a big deal um and then you know after you deal with those first two sugary montages you get that third gnarly one with all the kids dying over and over again i think that's great like that montage makes up for the first two almost (laughs) cool all right well sounds like Sounds like that's our thoughts on the movie Remember. So uh, before we get out of here, let's find out what else we've been up to lately. So Venom, what do you got? All right. First and foremost, the main show, No More Room in Hell, episode 51. 
We actually recorded it two weeks after episode 50. Go figure. Probably the first time in a year and a half we've actually kept our supposed schedule. But yeah, episode 51 is in the can. Uh, It's in the process of being edited right now. Not sure if it'll be available as you hear this episode, but definitely within a few days, no more than a week, uh, the main show will be out. We have a guest on that episode, Miss Nikki Williams um, from the Friday Night or excuse me, no, from the Slumber Party Massacre podcast, uh, not the Friday night podcast. That's something different. Um, she comes down, she, she joins us this, uh, this episode, and she brought along a couple of movie picks. So we actually got, got to look at um, House uh, 1985. That's the American one, not the great Japanese one. And then 2008 Martyrs. And if you're wondering how House and Martyrs pair together, I actually think they pair spectacularly. Um, obviously, they're very two very different tones, but they kind of deal with one particular aspect of um, mental illness that I think is I think personally is pretty prevalent throughout. Um, our guest actually didn't notice it, but you know that's a conversation you'll hear on the show. So check that out. Um, let's see, Creature Comforts number what 15 is still our latest episode we look at 1957's the the monster that challenged the world episode 16 will record this week actually and we will have a special guest coming to us from the anatomy of fear podcast it is uh mr brandon young will be joining us and we also let him pick the movie for the episode and he did not disappoint my friends he picked potentially one of the most popular if not one of the greatest american creature features ever made in tremors yeah we're we're talking graboids this month on creature comforts and let's see later in the month uh we'll have the fourth episode of the crystal lake gift shop recorded just um you know trying to figure out uh, recording days and if we're going to have a guest things like that but like i said as i've said many times crystal lake gift shop is an episode by episode retrospective of the friday the 13th the series um from 1987 to 1990 um lacy lou has joined us on the last two episodes of that one so um hopefully sooner rather than later episode four will be available and i think that's it for me guys all right don what do you got yeah, um, as mentioned, uh, upcoming Creature Comforts, uh, really looking forward to that one. Uh, it's been a, I don't even think I've ever talked about that, so it'll be uh, kind of interesting to finally uh, discuss that one. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned last couple times, uh, latest episode of uh, Horror Returns, uh, the March Madness uh, Best Elevated Horror Tournament, uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, just released today, uh, my latest episode of uh, Horror Countdown, I took a look at non-U.S. found footage films. So uh, we, we, you know, we took, uh, yeah, we took Europe, Asia, Australia, and South America as uh, potential candidates. So no Blair Witch, no Grave Encounters, uh, you know, basically we're limited to, uh, you know, Cannibal Holocaust, uh, the J-Horror stuff. wreck you know all the all the okay you didn't say spain in your list i'm like wait a minute they're not going to talk about wreck (laughs) no yeah we we talked about that um yeah like i said uh you know europe asia south america um australia new zealand places like that so yeah that that was a a pretty fun one so uh yeah that that one should be available um 
waiting on a few uh, other guest spots uh, to come up. Um, I've got some scheduled as kind of a, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours uh, for podcasts of mine that uh, I'm waiting for, uh, you know, reciprocated dates to open up. But uh, that should be within the next couple of days, maybe even uh, I, I may potentially record one this week, I think. Was one of the uh, was one of the days, but since it's uh, a potential date and not one set in stone, I'm not gonna. Uh, I'll, I'll hold back on it just in case it falls through. But uh, that should be pretty much all uh, all for me right now. Okay, and then as far as I go, everything that I'm a part of has already been mentioned by Venom. We have uh, episode 51 of No More Room in Hell recorded. Uh, it will probably be, if you're listening to this episode right now, it'll probably be out within a day or two. So all the same places, Dark Discussions Network and YouTube, No More Room in Hell podcasts channel. Um, everything, pretty much uh, most of the shows mentioned before can be found there. Um, and I think that's it. Uh, do we have a theatrical release coming up? This don't week, know, I, actually. I, I thought we did. That's why we went. To, I think we. I think we did because that's why we went with uh, VOD this week. But I, I can't remember. Let's see. I'm yeah, losing. We have we have two, two Fridays years. left in March, so I I want to say at least one of these weeks we do. Uh, yeah, yeah today's the nineteenth. So we got the twenty fourth and the thirty first. And the 14th, we got two on the 14th, depending on which one. Uh, we got Renfield and the Pope's Exorcist, both opening on the 14th. Oh, April 14th? Uh, April, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see anything in here for March, for the rest of March. Just uh, all the stuff for April. Evil Dead Rise, Pope's Exorcist, Renfield. Um, yeah, that's all I'm seeing. And then if I, you know. It, the the independent theaters are almost always playing some kind of horror film here, but you know I'll probably be the only one to see it here, so I'll probably just hold off. That's right. weird. I could have sworn we went VOD because we had uh, a week off between theatrical. That's what I thought too, but I'm I'm looking at my list and I'm not seeing anything. Weird. Hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we'll. We'll find out um, shortly, though. And if we got to pick more VOD stuff for a couple of weeks, we will. There's still plenty on there that has, as of yet, been covered anywhere. So uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. But either way, we should be back in a week, like usual, with another episode of Fresh Cuts. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, until then, let's say bye to the listeners. Oh, uh, one last thing before we do. I want to go. I, I found this out while I was researching stuff online, <laughs> okay. and I think this is... Um, there's one thing I want to point out real quick just before we leave. So the main character, her name is um, Asuka. The character that portrays her is named Kana Hashimoto. Now, the WWE wrestler Asuka, her name before she came to WWE was named Kana. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. A weird little coincidence awesome. is that, uh, yeah, the character, she, the character she had in Japan was named Kana. And she came to America, and they gave her the name Asuka, or Asuka, or whatever they pronounce it now. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, yeah, the, the two characters' first names are actually uh, pretty identical because they play the same person. Nice. Some wrestling yeah. trivia for you. 
Yeah, a nice piece yeah, of yeah, info to leave the listeners with. Yeah, I found that out when I was looking it up, but uh, other than that, later. <laughs> Konnichiwa. Oh, no, no, we're saying goodbye. Origato. No, is that thank you? No, that's goodbye. Origato. <laughs> Peace.